All right, ladies. Good afternoon. Afternoon for all of us. Yes. Yeah. Okay. (laughs) Good afternoon and welcome back listeners to a special episode of YA at Heart. Today we have for you Kennedy Plum, who is the author of a book that she wrote called Buried. And she is going to tell us a little bit about herself. Hi, <laughs> thank you for having me. I'm so excited. But first, let me say I'm obsessed with you two. Like I started with your podcast yesterday and like I, I'm obsessed. I, I will be listening to every single episode from here on out. I posted this on Instagram, but like my biggest wish is that I could read A Court of Mist and Fury again for the first time. And so like just living vicariously through you guys, like reading it for the first time. Like it's almost just as good as reading it again for the first time. So (laughs) thank you. You like us. You really like us. I do. I'm a fan. I'm a fan. Oh, stop it. Yeah. Well, thank you for coming on and joining us. I know that we've been trying to get you on for a while and things were like really, really hectic. So I'm glad that we could finally make it work. Yes, me too. So. I had a question before we get into the book and then your background as an author, what got you into writing? I saw on your page that you do photos. You do photography. I saw that. A little little bit here and there. Uh, They look amazing. (laughs) They do. They look amazing. I was like, okay, I'm going to put that down for like. I was. I was literally like, Ashley, where was she a year ago? Yeah. One morning I got got married. (laughs) Just get married again. It's fine. Oh, that's perfect. Renew your vows and we're good. Okay. Yeah, I'll ask my husband. I'll ask my husband. Put it somewhere in the budget. But um, well, the problem is that I just have too many hobbies, so <laughs> it's, I have too many, too many things going on. So <laughs> the problem is that I think I can do like everything, and then my life. Oh is no, I'm sure you can do everything. Everything's I just, like, fine. Focus on like one hobby at a time. So <laughs> <laughs> no, I get that. That's like my everyday life as well. So multitasking is not a a good thing for me. I just, it doesn't work. My brain explodes, <laughs> but yeah, I wanted to bring that up because your photos look super, super they looked amazing. amazing. Thank and you. you are very, very talented. talented. So, <laughs> Thank so you. That's- I hope it's okay if I, I hype you up a bit. <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> okay. So now moving on to your book and a little bit more about um, you as well. Yeah. How long did it take you to write Buried? Probably longer than I should advertise because <laughs> embarrassing. No, it, no. it was a little bit over five years. Um, okay. I just, you know, I, I, I've always loved writing and I've always just kind of used it as like a creative escape almost. So like through college and stuff, when things were stressful or whatever, I would just write here and there just, you know, to find some creativity And so I never really like made it a priority. So I never really like focused on it and like got it done. I just kind of wrote here and there. I had this idea and I just kind of added to it as I, as I felt like it. And then, you know, like imposter syndrome crept in as I'm like making my way through it. And I'm just kind of thinking like, well, is it even like good enough? Like, are people even going to want to read it? And so is it even worth finishing? Cause like, I, I still felt good about, you know, what I was receiving from it, like getting that 
creative escape, but is it even worth finishing? Is it even something that people will want to read? And so that kind of got me there. But once I like mapped out how I wanted it to go and how I wanted it to end um, and started researching the publishing process and kind of found out that it was actually attainable, then I started like looking at it and being like, okay, well, this doesn't totally suck. Maybe, you know, if I just stick it out and finish it, maybe people will read it. <laughs> so I think that's when I kind of like got myself in gear and, and finished it. And, and it, you know, it, it did take over five years. And so that a lot of things happened during that five years, like, you know, graduating college and having a baby and, you know, all of that. So I, I kind of love that the writing reflects those different stages of my life. And so it is kind of cool that it kind of spans over, you know, important milestones in my life. So, yeah, I think that's really cool. You found something you like, you stuck with it as well. And you didn't let like your own angst tie you down. You know what I mean? Because we, when we are interviewing a couple of authors, like they kind of say the same thing. They're like, you know, we get imposter syndrome. And as I'm reading through their stuff, I'm like, like how, I don't understand how they can feel that way, but you know, I, I get it. I get it. But I'm glad that you were able to like get through it. And I'm glad that you were able to like get this out here and get it on shelves and get people to read it. So you should be really proud of yourself. We're proud of you. Thank you. (laughs) I also have some serious like perfectionism issues and some ADHD. So I think it was also hard to like, in addition to the imposter syndrome, like writing something down, if it wasn't perfect was like impossible. Mm. So like, I was just, I was, I would write a sentence and then like reread it and then like immediately erase it. So I'm like, no, I can, I can say it better than that. And then like type it again and then like read back the page and then make edits. And so it just took so long because I just, I couldn't just get it out. I had to like make it perfect. Right. So that's something that I'm working on, <laughs> but yes, that, that is contributes to why it took so long, <laughs> okay. but still all good things take time. So building on that, where did your initial inspiration for the novel actually come from? Um, I I'll talk, you know, we can talk more about this later, but my husband's sister, they have, you know, brother had a brother sister relationship that I was just really inspired by. And so I've just always kind of like, wondered what it would be like I'm the oldest daughter so um I don't have any older siblings like an older brother (laughs) yeah (laughs) oldest daughter yep yep so I just always kind of wondered what it would be like to have an older brother and so you know meeting my husband and seeing his relationship with his little sister I was just I loved it like I I loved seeing you know how protective he was over her and his brothers and you know the lengths that they would go to protect her and so I was just kind of I loved that idea and so I just kind of wanted to explore it more like how far would a older brother go for his little sister um and so I just I love that I that idea and exploring that a little more but I also taught eighth grade um I was an eighth grade English teacher so I would always make them check out a book from the library and so they're they're always coming back from the library with the same books. They're bringing back the Hunger Games and they're bringing back the Maze Runner every single time. I'm like, you, Johnny, you, you just checked this out a month ago. <laughs> and they're like, I can't find anything else. Everything else is boring. I'm like, there's got to be something else. There's got to be something else other than the Maze Runner that you can read that you would like. And so, and I, I was able to, you know, find some recommendations, but overall, I just kind of realized, you know, there isn't a whole lot 
you know, that my, that I can have my eighth grade boys read that have, you know, a boy main character that's kind of set in that same maze runner type setting. And so I was kind of like, you know, what, I could write something that they would like maybe and, and feel comfortable having it in a classroom, you know, a, a clean read that I wouldn't mind my kids taking home and parents looking over their shoulder, reading it, you know? <laughs> right. So, yeah. Yeah, that's, that's interesting. Actually, yeah. Oh, sorry. Go ahead, Asha. <laughs> no, like that's actually interesting because me and Morgan, like as we were reading through the first two chapters, Morgan immediately picked up. She's like, the main character is a boy. And then she was like, which is weird because for not young weird, adults, but interesting. It's rare. It's yeah, it's interesting it's rare. and rare. And she's like, but for young adults, it's usually from a, a girl's perspective, which is, you know, and I was like, right. I, I don't have a lot of like recollection of me grabbing books where it was always the guy that was like the main character, especially when we were younger. Mm-hmm. So it was really interesting. But now that you explain what the inspiration for it was, it makes so much sense. Yeah. Like you're, you're trying to get the boys in your classroom to actually read. You're trying to get all the boys in eighth grade wanting to read. Yeah. And like, yeah. <laughs> and if they're just constantly grabbing Hunger Games or Maze Runner, you know, those types of books it it makes sense like it makes sense that you know you would have a book here that's from a boy's perspective and how boys feel and if they have a younger sibling you know boys tend to be more protective as an older sibling you already know the dynamic as the oldest you kind of have to protect the younger ones you're almost a parent figure yeah a little bit so yeah more, so like, more than we would like at some exactly time. yes <laughs> so yeah so, right but like it makes complete sense now why why it's it's written in that perspective so that's actually interesting yeah thank you did you find it hard or difficult to write from like a younger male adult perspective? Um, I definitely did uh, utilize my husband a lot <laughs> in that area. Like, <laughs> would a 16 year old boy actually say this? And he'd be like, no, never, never in a hundred years. <laughs> or like, what is this realistic for a 16 year old boy to do? And he's like, is there girls? Is there this? And I'm like, no, then he's like, no, probably not. <laughs> so he, he did, you know, kind of, he was a good reference point, but Overall, I, you know, I was just drawing from my experience as a teacher, like interacting with my eighth grade boys, you know, what would they say? Or like, how would they handle the situation? Or what, what would this, what would Johnny say? You know, so I think my experience as a teacher, I definitely did draw a lot from their sarcasm and their, you know, things like that. So. Okay. Mm-hmm. Cool. What? My forehead. Oh. <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> I thought you were gonna, like, I oh, thought, get like, me out of here. No, I, like, I thought she was like, I have another question. Like, let me remember. No, I'm like, oh, did you have something to say? Head itches, Jesus. Sorry, sorry for being so concerned. <laughs> Anywho, okay, moving on. Yes. Um. So while you were writing this, or when you're writing in general, do you have like any interesting quirks or like rituals that you do? Like, do you have to? sprinkle salt around the table and then sit in it and like meditate first or do you like have to I don't know count backwards from 10 and like like do you have anything that you do like that or do you just sit down and you're like okay I'm ready I haven't tried the salt thing but maybe that would help (laughs) (laughs) Um, (laughs) no I mean I I talked a little bit earlier about you know the ADHD and just you know being very distractible I need to have like kind of a perfect environment in order to write which is near impossible having a two-year-old 
also it's suspiciously quiet in his room right now. So mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm mm-hmm. sure I'll find a mess in there later, but if you need to get um, up and check on him, do not worry. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> um, so having that perfect environment is a little hard. So it's typically, you know, after everybody's gone to sleep and I can put some white noise on, um, turn my phone off and just get rid of the distractions. That's probably the biggest thing for me. Otherwise, like I'm checking my phone constantly, looking at TikTok or whatever, and just getting distracted by every single little thing. Um, so it's not really a quirk, but I do have to have like the white noise does help like kind of ground me a little bit. I can't write to music. I know some people do, but the white noise helps me focus. Yeah. The music, whenever I would try to write like poetry or short stories or whatever, the music would kind of help. But now that I'm older, I find that's really distracting. Like singing. Yeah. And not getting done what I need to get done. Like my multitasking has gone to such a low level now that I'm older. It's really sad, but I get that. So for your book, did you publish this yourself? Oh, yeah, I did. Yeah. So I am self-published. So Basically, that means um, I I just get more control over it. So um, I get to hire my own editor. I get to hire my own cover artist. I get to hire, you know, people for the marketing and stuff like that. So, but ultimately, like my book stays my book. I actually did try the traditional publishing route and kind of unanimously, I heard from agents, oh, there's not a market for this genre. So we we don't feel like your book is sellable. And that just kind of like, you know, made me question like all of our faces right now is like, what? I'm like, talking about my eighth graders who are, who keep going to the library, checking out the Maze Runner and the Hunger Games. Yeah. Um, and I'm like, you, people love this genre still, like they're still reading it. And so that, that definitely didn't help the imposter syndrome, you know, telling them, telling me, Oh, you know, we can't sell your book. We're not, you know, we're not interested. But that's when I, you know, those rejections just made me look more into self-publishing and even, you know, being discouraged about hearing those things, hearing people's experiences about self-publishing and just learning more about it. Um, it kind of gave me hope again and kind of got me to, to think, oh, you know, like I can sell this book. Like there is a market for my book. Um, there are people who still read this genre. I still have something, you know, important to say. And so, you know, just getting it out there, regardless of what the agents were saying, I think was, was good. That's inspirational. It is. I'm sorry you had to deal with that. Yeah. And you didn't just like let that discourage you and be like, okay, well, maybe they're right. Maybe I should just put the book down and like shelf it and not even try to sell it. When you knew I did for have a those fact, days. I will say I did have, I mean, everybody, <laughs> yes, everybody probably. Yeah. But you knew for a fact that like your eighth graders would have read this book. So obviously people or kids are reading the book. Yeah. So this, the self-publishing process, um, there's a lot to learn and there still is like, you know, this is my, my debut novel. So I still have a lot that I'm learning about it, but it's been really cool just being able to have complete control over it. Like, you know, I get to make the cover exactly what I want it. And, you know, if it's not exactly what I imagined, then, then I can hire somebody else. And so, you know, it's just been, it's just been a good experience. I'm glad. I'm really yeah. glad. Also tell us the name of the publisher and we'll go uh, pay we'll them go, a visit. Yeah, shot- <laughs> <laughs> Maybe I just sh- shot it too high, you know, cause I went for like all the big ones, you know, like I'm like, Oh, okay. Who published Suzanne Collins? Okay. Email it to them, <laughs> you know? So no, you always, you always aim high. You reach <laughs> for the moon. So if you fall, you land amongst the stars. I knew she was going to say that. that. Do, exactly. First of all, 
It's the most inspirational quote I know. What did you think were the most important writing elements to have your story succeed? I mean, it's kind of like subjective what what's important to different authors you know like some people want to focus on having like a a fast moving plot or some people want to focus on the dialogue and making sure the dialogue is really realistic or some people want to focus on making sure you know it's literary or you know things like that but for me what was most important is just like because I said how it's you know inspired by brother sister relationships I really just wanted the characters to be the priority. So some things, you know, that I've heard from some feedback is that it slows down at some points. And that doesn't really bother me too much because it is focused on the relationships and the characters. So um, I didn't mind the, the times where it slowed down a little bit because I was really focusing on making sure those char- characters were well-developed and making sure people knew like these side characters are not just side characters that we're just going to throw away these side characters have background and they have meaning and they have a purpose here so I would say it was important to me to dive into those side characters and so I I had a, a very lengthy like outline and like planning process just to make sure that I was giving those side characters and like everything their background and their importance too so not just the main character but also making sure they they felt important too. So, but I'm, I'm a planner. So there's two types of writers. There's pantsers. So like writers that fly by the seat of their pants, that's what uh. they're called. Um, <laughs> and so I'm definitely a planner. So I can't just sit there and write and, you know, see where it goes and see where the story ends up. Um, I definitely have to have an outline. I have to have it all planned out. So that's how, that's how I started. So it just started with an outline, like here are my characters. Here's what I want to have happen. This is what I want to focus on. It's my conflict. I didn't have the ending quite figured out before I started writing. Um, And that's probably why it took so long because I didn't really have an end in sight. But just as I went, I would kind of map out the next few chapters like, okay, this is where I'm at right now. This is where we, we need to go. And so as I got towards the end and I could actually see the end and map out the end, that's when I, it gave me the confidence to finish it. Okay. I like the fact that you also took time to develop the relationships between the characters yeah. Even the the side characters, as you would say as well, because there is some books that I've read and I'm sure Ashley can agree where it's just kind of like they throw in that best friend that has like a few quirky lines or what have you. And then something dramatic to them happens to them down the line. And we're like, oh, well, I never really felt connected to you anyway. So right, right exactly. <laughs> Don't really care Sorry. much if you die. Okay. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Yeah. So I like that having a bond between all of the characters. It makes it a little bit more personal like I can feel then, for everyone yeah because then if something does happen to a character you're like oh my god like you've grown so attached just like the main character is to them and so it's just kind of like yes like you you've done your job as a writer I feel like at yeah. that point yeah. Where, if I'm that attached yeah. if I'm that attached to not only the main characters but the side characters you've done your job you most <laughs> definitely done your job yeah. I mean, oh my god <laughs> Sorry, there's a book that we read where the the I thought this character was gonna be in it to win it, and he died in the fourth chapter, and I was just oh, like, no. she still goes on about this to this day. I'm Please like, don't do that to me, Kennedy. <laughs> what chapter are you on? <laughs> Come on! I can't guarantee anything at this point, but you'll just get to oh. it. <laughs> I'm already like, stressed out. I feel like 
every author who has come on, <laughs> Morgan has read the books or has gone th- through like some of the chapters and every author who's come on has been like, so what chapter are you up to? <laughs> Yeah, as long as you don't kill anybody I like, and then they're like, (laughs) (laughs) Jesus, we don't know. Oh God, give me all types of panic attacks. Okay, it'll be okay. You'll you'll get through it. (laughs) Will I though? Will I? You'll be fine. Shut up, Ashley. Uh, (laughs) I'm very emotional person. Okay, I didn't have a, a question. I thought it was an interesting question. I don't know if you'll find it interesting, but. I am always kind of curious to know how authors come up with like the names for their characters. Like if they're based on people that they know or maybe um, names that they had picked out for future children or what have you. So how did you come up with the names for your characters in your book? I mean, that is an interesting question because I would say so. So Sam and Ella were both to, so I, I started writing the book before I had kids. And so I would say those were names that I did have on my list for future children. And so, yeah, those were just names that I liked and I felt like, you know, matched them pretty well. But for side characters and last names, I've like gone on, um, what do they call it? Baby Center has like every year they have like a list of popular names. And so I just like scroll through it. And I'm like, oh, that doesn't really fit. Oh, that doesn't really fit. Oh, that's a good one. Now let me find a last name that goes with that. So, and there's also like generators that I've used before. So I'm working on a, or I, I just finished a sci-fi story and it's, it's more like alien-y. And so I needed help like finding an alien-ish type name. And so I used like a generator to help, you know, like put it together. And so there's really cool generators. Like you can type in like your qualifications. So like, do you want it to be an alien? Do you want it to be a fantasy character? Do you want it to be a real person? Do you want them to have you know, this descent or this descent or, you know, so it's pretty cool. They have really cool generators that, that are really helpful, but awesome. for me, I just kind of like whatever fit them. So I have like a, there's a group and you'll get to this later on in the book, but there's just a group of like outlaws basically. And they, they have nicknames. And so their names are really fun to come up with because they're, they're not like realistic names. They're just names that like they've earned and they, they like, that fit their personalities. And so those were fun because they didn't have to be real sounding. They didn't have to be, you know, popular names. They were, they could just match the character's personality. And so those were really fun to come up with. I like that. I like that. Mm-hmm. Cause I was always like interested in that. I wanted to see the kind of like the reasoning behind it. It is harder now though. I will say now that I do have a child and will have more children <laughs> is that I, I can't use the names I like anymore in my books because like, I'm going to have more kids, you know? So like yeah. I can't use them all in my books. Right. <laughs> it makes it a little harder. A little bit. Don't worry. We have suggestions. Okay. We have, we have name suggestions, you know, Morgan is unisex. Um, Ashley is also a great name. Uh, <laughs> sequel, sequel characters, perhaps. Mm. <laughs> Speaking of which, okay. So we had that question too. Is Buried going to be a standalone or is it going to be a sequel? Series. And yeah. Yeah. It's it, going to be a series? Okay. Yes. So definitely a sequel, maybe a trilogy. We'll see like how things get wrapped up with the second one. But yeah, there it's already long. Like it's already a long book, but I still felt like there was more that they needed to say. Like, so I couldn't wrap up everything by the end. So there is a small cliffhanger. I wrapped up as much as I could. But, you know, it was already 
a 400 page book. And so I'm like, I gotta, I gotta wrap things up somehow. And so I wrapped up what I could. And so people hate me because there's a small cliffhanger at the end, but there is a sequel coming and I'm working on it. And I'm trying not to take five years for this one. So hopefully we'll get <laughs> out a lot okay. sooner than the Listen, first. as much page or as much time as you need, as much time as you yes. need. Yes. It's fine. It's fine. <laughs> All well, right. Yeah. You after you've read the cliffhanger. <laughs> oh God! Don't. Okay. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I well, this was a question I wanted to ask you, um, and I always wonder about this in regards to like the dedications in the front of the books. Um, sometimes you know, some people take and they put names, and then other times people just say, "Oh, to these people" or whatever. The dedication for this book from you is to Joan. Who is Joan? So I talked about this a little bit earlier, but Joan is my husband's sister. So she, she passed away, um, a few years ago. So she was quite young when she passed away. And so I just kind of, I wouldn't say based Ella on her because, you know, I think Ella is, has her own differences and whatnot, but her like independence and her feistiness and just their, their brother sister relationship. Um, I pulled a lot from from his late sister. And so she just, you know, she's the type who would, if someone was picking on someone on the playground, she would go and kick them in the shins. And (laughs) if if someone was, you know, yelling at her, picking on her, she would punch them in the face, (laughs) you know? So she was just feisty and a little bit fighty. (laughs) Um, It sounds like we could be friends. Thanks. Who is the best. And so I just, I loved that feistiness, you know, growing up with four older brothers and, you know, kind of, she had to be tough and she had to stand her own. And so I just, I loved that, that part of her personality. And so I definitely wanted Ella to reflect to that and just her independence. And yeah, so yeah, I, so I, I just kind of dedicated it to, to Joan in her memory and just anyone else who is like her, who, you know, has that feistiness and that, that fire and that independence and, and maybe they'll see themselves in, in Ella. I like that. Okay. Well, we already asked, cause we, one of the questions is how you deal with negative reviews, but you got your book published. So fuck it. I cry. <laughs> Let me first say. Oh no. No, I, I'm a cancer. And so like, I just, I immediately thought that, no, I immediately thought this because I was like, the moment you said, it's all right to cry and stuff. I was like, there's gotta be a cancer. (laughs) No, I, I like, I cry as much as I breathe and it's, it's a problem. I'm working on it, but no, like this year. Okay. Let me tell you a story. (laughs) When I first released buried and I was getting, um, advanced reader copies one of my beta readers put a review on Goodreads and it was a four-star review. And I let, I was devastated. I was like, it's not, a, she hates it. What am I going to do? She hates my book. Oh my, I wasted my time. This is the worst oh. day. It was a four, it was a four-star review. So <laughs> since then, <laughs> I have definitely gotten better at realizing that a four-star review is a good review. It's a good review. They like your book. Just because it's not a five-star review doesn't mean they <laughs> hate it. So that was just funny. So I, I, I do cry a lot. But with negative reviews, I mean, I really have gotten better this year at, at just kind of like distancing from the reviews a little bit. So, um, you know, realizing that 
I wrote this for a specific person. You know, I wrote these for my eighth grade boys. I wrote these for my eighth grade girls. I wrote these for the people who do like this genre and who do like YA. So, you know, if there are people who say, oh, you know, you know, this was, I don't really read YA or, oh, you know, I, I don't really like dystopian, you know, I didn't write it for them. And so it's okay that they didn't like it. And it's, so it's okay that, you know, um, it wasn't their cup of tea because I didn't write it for them. Um, and so I've just kind of really tried to have that mindset this year and that has really helped. So when a negative review does come in, I can just kind of say, you know, I, I have students who've read my book and they like my book and that's, you know, that's enough. That's a good way to look at it though. It's just not their cup of tea. Cause there yeah. will be people who love it, that it is their cup of tea. And yeah. I'll read I, through it. You know, yeah. That makes it worth it. I wrote it for them. Oh, yay. <laughs> One of the last questions we wanted to ask was um, if you were to cast a movie for your book, like if you were to pick a cast, like Buried was about to become feature, future length film, whatever, who would you cast in the roles of your characters? Okay, so there's only two that like I know for sure. Um, and they're, they're, I don't even know how old she is. But anyways, so my main character, Sam, definitely Tom Holland because he's <laughs> <adorable>. <laughs> I mean, I'm like it, man. stars here, you know, like million dollars, it, you know, million dollar production here. I love Tom Obviously, Tom I love Holland, that man. You know, <laughs> so I love him um, for Sam. I don't know who Ella would be. I haven't really found, you know, a, a young girl who I think would fit her. But one of my favorite characters, um, she's in the group of outlaws. And so you guys will meet her later. Hugh, and she is my absolute favorite. So I'm thinking like Letitia Wright, maybe, who played Shuri in Black Panther would be a good fit. She's a badass, of course. And I just think that, you know, she would have Q's um, fiery independence and she's strong and, you know, she has a tough background and an animal sidekick. And I just think Letitia Wright would be would be perfect i like that <laughs> i like her awesome i love tom holland Tom Holland, my i know that that <laughs> did it for me like a good combination so i tom holland and combination yeah yeah that 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 did it for that me. would I'm do like, it yep. that right <laughs> we're gonna try to get this movie going let's go <laughs> <laughs> to you all the studios all, right you know, tom holland right now we'll work on it <laughs> we're gonna get it pitched we're gonna have it going it's gonna get there listen listen if i have to sneak on the red carpet just to get this interview. done <laughs> we'll get it done. We're gonna get, we it, done. get well, it done. If we're being on the red carpet, you guys will be there right next to me. So <laughs> thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Morgan, <laughs> these are these are my girls right here. Exactly. <laughs> like, I'm sorry, no, no autographs right now. No autographs. No, please, none. please, no, no photos, please, yes. please, no ma'am. <laughs> ma'am. <laughs> Morgan actually, you worked the red carpet, didn't you? I did twice. You did. Whoa. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 That was did interesting. You, anyone famous? Who's the most famous person you met? Oh my God, on the red carpet? Octavia, oh, wasn't it? General. Um, no, it wasn't Octavia Spencer. It wasn't Octavia Spencer. It was Lady Gaga. <gasps> Bitch, you met Lady Gaga and you didn't tell me? I did tell you. First of all, this is not about you. This is not about you. This is like a friendship breaker right here. Like the divorce of So after this episode, YA just will not be recording anymore. You know what? Done with you. You read a touch of darkness without me, so don't even stop. I told you I read. You know you what? did not. Wait, this is not about you. This is not about you. Ruin a court of Mr. Fury for your ass. Wait, just wait. How dare you? I am so sorry, Kennedy. Sometimes she does not know how to behave. 
<laughs> so anyways, Lady Gaga, she's nice, right? Come right. On. She is. She's, she's nice. super nice. Okay. She is. <laughs> she's really nice. She's really nice. Sam Elliott, on the other hand. Uh, Ooh. Yeah. Oh. Yeah, your girl's got the tea. Uh, <laughs> We need to do a whole episode just about Yeah, we got to talk about this. This could be extra content. No, my Uh former managers are going to contact me like. Did you, wait, did you (laughs) sign an NDA? Uh, No. All right, legally, legally, if you ain't signed it, and this is coming from a a legal assistant, if you ain't signed an NDA. All right, Kennedy, we're going to get you on the red carpet. Plan A. (laughs) Love it. Plan A, step one is in motion. (laughs) Lady Gaga, here we come. Exactly, exactly. All right, so. I want to make this happen for you. Um, so now we'd like to talk about the first couple of chapters that are in the book. So we start off, I believe, with the prologue or the preface where, you know, Sam is younger. I think he's about eight years old, if I'm not mistaken. He's eight. And so he is pretty much sitting there watching TV, watching all of this uh, chaos unfold. And they're talking about order 153, um, how people are being drafted. And it's between the ages of 18 and 65. And his parents are kind of like, they're not acting like their normal selves. So he already knows something is up. And immediately we know that, you know, his family has been affected by this order. So the FPA is actually a enforcement agency that comes to take you away to make sure that when you are drafted, you don't run or you don't flee. And they show up at his family's door and his father is pretty much like trying to say goodbye to them and telling Sam that he has to step up and be the man of the house and take care of his family. So in that little bit, just in that little chunk, I'm like, okay, there's a lot riding on like this. There's a lot of pressure on this kid. Um, And it was really heart jerking. Is that a word? Heart jerking? Tear jerking? It was a, it was a little bit of a tearjerker because I was like, oh, no. And as the father is, you know, making his final goodbyes, he does go to walk away, but turns back around because, you know, Sam is calling for him. He's like, are you going to do anything? Like, don't let him leave. Like, dad, don't leave. And I was just like, oh, <laughs> and he tries to, like, ask for a little bit more time to say goodbye to his family because the agents only gave him literally one minute that was it to say goodbye. And he doesn't know if he's ever going to see his family again. Most likely he probably won't. And, um, the agents are like, no, we have to go. And they like grip him up and like haul him off. So I was just like, damn, like what kind of war is going on right now that one, they would have to draft and then to get worse, to get worse, the agent comes back to the mom who was pregnant with Ella at this time. And he's like, hey, seven days, or I think it's, is it five or seven days? I think it's um, seven days after you give birth. We expect you to register to, for the I draft. don't see any government being able to expect, I don't, I don't think it's feasible to expect a woman to heal within seven days, like fully, and then expect her to be drafted and go into whatever situation you want her to go into. Just kind of shows like how desperate they are. And like, they just don't care about the human at that point. Yep. Like it's just about the conflict. It doesn't matter about the individuals. So right. it's like, yeah. like yeah. we don't we need care bodies about on you. the field. Really? We just need like your body. Yeah, exactly. We just need bodies on the field, feet on it's, the floor. It's crazy. It's crazy to the fact that it even got to that point. So I'm like, okay, who are they fighting? Like, what the hell is going on? And also, is Canada still a safe haven? Yeah, can I go up there? <laughs> <laughs> oh, 
So it's just, it was a lot. It was a lot going on in that prologue. And automatically I was like, okay, these kids are going to be orphans. Yeah, this is going to be really, I know. And I was like, this is going to be bad for them. So it ends with, you know, Sam crying and saying that he is going to keep his promise to his father and keep his family safe. And then we get into chapter one where Sam wakes up from a nightmare and he and Ella are like sleeping on bunk beds. And when he was telling me, or when you were writing about it, but when Sam from his perspective was telling us about his surroundings, it's one of the encampments that, or one of the um, housing projects from the government for kids who like had their parents go into the army, they put them in here. One, I thought it was gonna be maybe a nicer setup for them. (laughs) It is a tin box. Like they are being buried alive in a tin box. He's sleeping on his bunk and he's like, he says he can barely stretch his hand up and the ceiling is just like right Right there. there. I don't even get up out of bed without smacking your head. But not only that, it's cold. (laughs) 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 Sorry, go ahead, Ashley. (laughs) Like, not only that, he explains that it's like cold because he gives Ella another blanket because she's like um, stirring in her sleep. Like she's, you know, I don't, I forget if it's like she has, an, if she's having a nightmare or she's waking up or something, but he gives her another blanket to like calm her down. And then he himself is cold. And I'm like, you don't even have them in like a heated area. These are children. Right. Children. Like, yeah. Right. Children <laughs> whose parents you took away. Right. They don't have any like Ella doesn't remember her parents. If you really think about it, Ella doesn't remember her parents. Her mom was pregnant and her mom was had to self-report and her dad was taken away. Yeah. So she doesn't even remember her parents. Yeah. And Sam talks about that, too. Like she asks questions and he's yeah. like, he tries to let her believe that they are still alive. He's not comfortable really talking about it because this is something really traumatic that happened to both of them. And he's basically raising her. Like he's 16. He has no, like, she's asking the big questions, you know, like where do babies come from? Where's mom and dad? And he has no training on how to deliver this. Right. Right. How to raise a child. Right. He is a child. Exactly. It's just, it's difficult for him too. It's like, damn. So that, that plays on me as well. And then it also reminded me of like the hunger games with Katniss and how she's trying to take care of her sister and stuff like that. I'm interested to see what's going to happen. But I already know this boy is going to be going through some trauma and my little heart can't take it. <laughs> oh, he's a little messed up. <laughs> Aren't we all? I would have had that happen to me. I'd be messed up too. So um, he's talking about that. He's talking about how the housing sucks. He also talks about how he feels like he failed his father's wishes to you know, protect his family, essentially, because it's just him and Ella on their own. And he finally is able to like kind of drift back off to sleep. And then on the next page, it's kind of interesting. It looks like almost like a journal entry. Yeah. Yeah. And he's talking about um, a nightmare that he had. Now, from the nightmare, it kind of sounded like his mother gave birth to Ella and then she kind of like disappeared. Did you get that feel? I was a little lost. I was reading and I was just a little lost. I was like, okay, wait, what's going on? (laughs) Okay. Yeah. What what was that? Was it a nightmare, Kennedy? It was a nightmare in a journal? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So I have like these, um, these pages kind of dispersed throughout. So as you go through, you'll see more. They're just to kind of give more insight into Sam's brain. It is a nightmare. Um, I don't, 
I don't know if it was that night he had this nightmare, if it's just like the recurring one that he has or just like one in general. Um, just kind of putting some of his traumas together and like these are the things that haunt him. Hmm. I like that. It's different. It's different because it's not like you have to go through the whole story and then like get to a certain point where they like spill out all their feelings on the page. Like as you're beginning this book, you're getting a look into like his mind and how he processes things and what's happening with him as he's also trying to like deal with raising his sister as well. As I'm like rereading over it, this sounds to me as if he was there when Ella was born. Yeah, that's what I was saying. Yeah. Like he was actually, like he might've actually helped his mom deliver Ella. Yeah. And so he's talking about like the, all like so much blood. Yeah. And then, then in my mind, I was like, okay, did she die in childbirth? Oh, or, no. or was she drafted? Don't tell us. I won't. I'm like, okay. I'm okay. <laughs> but in my mind, when I'm I was like, reading it, I was like, damn. So if he truly feels like, you know, both of his parents are dead, you know, his dad left, never came back. If his mom like died in childbirth, because from the dream that he's describing, it's like he's reliving it vividly. And he's yeah. saying there was so much blood and crying and stuff like that. So I don't know. It could be it could be that she died, died in childbirth. Maybe that she wasn't taken away. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, she technically was taken away, just not the other way. Oh, stop it. <laughs> stop. On to chapter two. On to chapter two. Um, so he was able to kind of drift back off to sleep and then wakes up to the blaring, like screaming of who he calls the chief in the speakers. Okay. It's almost like these kids are in a military camp. Yeah. Like they're expected to do like a routine when wake up and yeah, yeah wake up, get ready report, report to yeah. the town center for like your duty of the day, like what you're going to be assigned to do. And I My thought husband was, is in the military, so I definitely did draw a lot of like, oh, okay, okay, experience. yeah, okay. Just kind of like hearing from him, like, what do the barracks look like? Like, what kind of accommodations do you have in the army? Like, what what does a state government provided housing look like, or what does it feel like, or like, what's your routine usually like? So I did pull a lot of that like, makes sense. Okay. Yeah, that makes okay. sense. I like <laughs> yeah, that. Yeah. I like that because I was like, these 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 are kids. These are kids. No, but the funny but, thing was, I was thinking the same thing because I have a lot of friends who like either went through military or went through military school. So like I was picking up on stuff and I was like, this is like being in the military. It's like drilling. Like, OK, you got to wake up at this time. We're going to call you out at this time. You have to report at this time. And if you report, if you, you know, report late you're screwed you're like, yeah. <laughs> right exactly okay. yeah and it's interesting too i just now picked up on that as we were discussing they're preparing these kids to go off to war oh yeah like you said earlier they yeah. need feet on the floor they need able bodies so if you have a bunch of kids that have no parents might as well send them off to war they're honestly just kind of like grooming them like yeah yeah exactly what it is little, perfect little obedient soldiers mm -hmm. yep. yeah yeah so you're punished if you arrive late. You're punished if you don't do your uh, due diligence or your daily job. You're also punished if you try to run away. Um, I think that's more so. No, that is in chapter two, because I read a little bit in chapter three, too, because I was like, where's this going? <laughs> but um, yeah, so it's just like they're they're grooming them to become these, these soldiers on the ground. Yeah. And they're waiting in line. I believe this is still chapter two. I might be mixing chapter two and three, because like I said, I did read a little bit ahead. But yeah, they get there. They're waiting in line. I did have a question about the PEC. 
I might have missed that. What does that stand for? Personal effects closet. The belongings that they came with, they just keep them in. Those are their personal effects. So okay. they, they weren't allowed to bring much, but anything that they either smuggled in or, you know, were able to keep um, and just like their clothes and uniform and stuff. Like the picture that he was talking about that's in his closet. Okay. Okay. Gotcha. Gotcha. Dang. So they don't have much at all. No, not at all. And they're given like the same gray uniform to wear every single day. So there's like, it's, it's kind of sad. Um, he also talks about the fact that they are not in this room alone. They actually have a couple of roommates. Originally, I think he says there were six people in the room. So himself Twins. and his sister, twins, twins, and then Mateo and his brother. Teo and his um, brother. But he says that the twins, they're not there anymore. They aged out. Oh, yeah, they aged out. So that's another thing. When they age out, they just go directly into the draft and then they're gone. It's almost like when, you know, foster care, you age out of the system. Yeah. Left on your own. Yeah. This yeah. whole situation is is just. Whew, it's a lot. Yeah. So like Ashley, yeah. correct, like that they're treated exactly like foster kids in the system for sure. Mm-hmm. That's yeah. insane. Yeah. Um, he talks about getting to the square, trying to get there on time so that he and, you know, Ella aren't punished. That's another thing, too. How are they going to punish an eight year old? Like, I, I don't want to think about it. I don't want to think about it. Um, and then when they go like outside, technically, which is not outside, it's just outside of their like housing. He talks about how, you know, there is like no sky. They have these giant lights and then these lamps on each side of the um, walkway to kind of emulate sunlight or daylight and then also moonlight. And I was like, wow. So they're like, Underground, underground. Yeah, underground, yeah. underground. I thought that maybe like they had, they, they were underground and maybe you could see like a little bit out there, but of course, like a because sliver. Of the, yeah, no. but because of the radiation and stuff, like you can't, they can't go outside. Nothing. Yeah. So he's describing like how everything is. Um, he's describing like where they're going. And he also describes, let me see, some of the zones that he talks about. Oh, the map. Yeah. So we get a little map. This is like, he explains, and I love, I love that this is thrown in here. It's like a pretty unhelpful, definitely not to scale map of the underground. <laughs> I was like, that's it for me. That's it. I was like, I like this kid. <laughs> yeah, it is. It is pretty unhelpful. I mean, looking at it, it doesn't really explain much. <laughs> but I mean, there's a, there's a, um, there's definitions on the back of like what all the zones are. Cause he talks about the common zones and then the elite zones. The party so, zone. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, I thought you were going to continue. Oh, the money. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> the party zone is E1. The money zone is E2 and the feds are E3. Um, yeah. the party zone is basically just for, um, hotshot celebrities and kids of billionaires and not for nothing. But when I was t- telling Morgan about this, like as I was reading it, um, and it says they avoid the draft by filming cheesy propaganda to keep up morale in the common zones. Uh, I like immediately thought of like nowadays influencers. I was like, <laughs> I sat there. I was like, so the influencers basically would be in the zone. That's like all basically the, all the TikTok stars. The exactly. All the TikTok yeah. people, all the IG influencers in this zone, most definitely. <laughs> Um, and then when we get to E2, the money zone, it says uh, not just people who were who are well off. This is the money money. Um, they avoided the draft by paying a heavy tax that helped finance the underground. And that says a lot like these people paid to be in a specific zone to yeah. not be in the common area. 
Um, and then we have E3, the feds. Um, and this is just kind of not self-explanatory, but like, well, kind of the home of our beloved government, the people who started this war to get to, to people who started this war get to be nice and cozy. And that, that says a lot. The sarcasm, yeah. the sarcasm from Sam is all I need. That's it. That's, it. <laughs> that's my favorite part of him. Too. That, that's I it. The sarcasm of Sam. Yeah. And you get, I know you didn't, um, you didn't read a little bit further, but I read into a couple of pages of chapter three and that sarcasm continues. Definitely continues. Say though. no more. Definitely continues because we get to meet some of his friends. And um, while he's waiting in line, he's talking about like the chief that was blaring over the speakers. We actually get to meet him in a physical sense in the book. And he's an ass. Um, (laughs) That's the best way I could put it. That is the best way I could put it. Like you have nothing better to do than to beat up on children. Basically. He's just like that, that like old, you know, like white guy who just like, he wants like the power. He wants like, he just like, it makes yeah. him happy to have the control and right. Yeah. yeah like he's yeah. literally, he's literally going off on everybody in this line. He's mm-hmm. like, and Sam even says in the end of chapter two, he's like, Oh, I can tell it's going to be a great day. So he's in some type of mood. He woke up and somebody pissed in his boots or something because he is just not on the same page as everybody else. <laughs> yes. <laughs> he's like, supposed to be kind of like, you know, a military drill sergeant type, you know, like the yeah. drill sergeant basic training in the military are supposed to be mean to you but he just like that's like his joy is it yeah he takes it to a different level yeah yeah Yeah. so he actually says something what does he say oh oh yeah 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 he says something to um he he calls him carmichael because that's his last name he says something to sam he's like oh carmichael i see you can't be bothered to follow orders today and sam goes to turn around like i wasn't doing anything like i didn't do anything and before he can even like get out the rest of his sentence, this guy, like, I think he punches. Yeah, he punches him in the face and knocks him on the ground. And then he steps on the back of his neck and he's like, oh, yeah, give me a reason. And I'm like, what? <laughs> sir, there was no reason. <laughs> sir, <laughs> like, what are you? Calm oh down. He's a child. <laughs> yeah, he's a child. Right. And he's also like, oh, my God. What does he say? Oh, he's like, oh, yeah, you're begging for a penalty or something like that. And Sam is like, oh, yeah, yeah, I'd love nothing more than to be punished right now. I was like, oh, da- stop. There's a time and a place. His mouth just gets him into trouble. <laughs> I was like, now is not the time nor the place. So it started to like heat up. Yeah. And I was like, okay, I need to like keep reading before we got on the meeting, too. I was like, okay, let me stop. <laughs> I was like, I'm going to be late. But you definitely get to see a lot more of this kid's personality and his sarcasm. And then of course his uh, friendship a little bit more in chapter three. So I'm excited to like keep going with it and to see what happens. Oh, we also forgot to read the synopsis for those of you who want to come and and read the book or want to go and read the book. So it's no freedom, no sunlight, and the whole place smells like armpit. that's what life has been like for sam and his little sister ella in the past eight years ever since the draft took their parents so pretty much hell but at least they had each other until they didn't as if the underground life couldn't get any worse ella mysteriously goes missing without a trace sam must now embark on a dangerous journey through the unknowns of the underground to find her but will he find her before it's too late will a brother's love be enough to save her i hope so (laughs) because lost everybody i, really I know 
I know, but I'm very, very excited to see what other things happen for Sam, to Sam, uh, for Ella, to Ella. Yeah. And hopefully this boy's mouth does not get him snatched Get him into up. further trouble. Oh my God. You know, yeah. it will. It will. <laughs> it, will. It, will. it will. It will. But you know, I, I always hope for the best. <laughs> Um, At least make you laugh on the way there. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So for those of um, those people, our listeners and stuff like that, who want to go and get the book, where can they find it? It's on um, any online real retailers. I almost said realtors. Not on online. <laughs> online okay. um, Amazon, uh, barnesandnoble.com, iBooks, Apple Books, whatever it's called. And I have ebook or hardback or paperback. Oh, okay. Nice. I like that paperback. It's very like smooth. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. 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 It feels nice to hold it in my hand. I like the matte look. Matte yeah. Matte. Yeah. I like that too. It's different. It feels yeah. it was just like kind fun of seeing it like come to life, you know, seeing it, the picture yeah. of the cover and then like seeing it in front of me. It was like, ah. <laughs> it must be like such a different type of joy. Just like looking like, damn. Yeah. When I, I made the that. first box, I'm like, ah. Awesome. Well, hopefully you celebrated, right? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Okay. Oh, yeah. okay. I've been celebrating all year. <laughs> okay, good. Good, good, good. <laughs> um, and also for those of you who want to follow Kennedy and keep updated with all of the progress, um, maybe, you know, send her a voice memo asking, how could you do this to me when something happens to <laughs> oh one of your God. favorite characters? The hate mail. <laughs> not, the, not the hate mail, not the hate mail, but definitely the like, why, why? <laughs> <laughs> so oh, where Lord. can they find you or follow you on social media um i'm most active on my instagram so my instagram is k-e-n-n underscore plum p-l-u-m-b um and i i have the same handle for all my social media so i'm on um tiktok twitter um instagram so they can follow me on any of those places say no more i will be following you on tiktok <laughs> <laughs> like, i didn't know you were um i didn't know you were on tiktok now i have to have the account follow you yeah, I have, <laughs> yes. I have my um my active TikTok is like a family like family blog kind of so that's where I share a lot of like mm. daily life and family videos and our our biggest video on there was my the reunion of my husband coming home from the, his military and our son for the first time so yeah so we just had more of like our daily our I'm daily gonna look that up right now. <laughs> I can't watch it. It makes me cry every time. So, <laughs> oh god, yeah. So that's that one. I, I have a smaller TikTok um, that I I share like book stuff with, but yeah, that's my bigger one. Okay. Well, you guys, you heard it. Oh, oh, I hit the ceiling. You heard it here first. She said I hit the ceiling. It's a slanted ceiling, you know. I definitely do. <laughs> You guys, please, 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 please go and support Kennedy. Go buy Buried. I'm telling you right now, I'm hooked and I'm only on like the first two and a half, three or two, three, three and a half chapters. Math. It's not my strong suit. I found her. Oh, you found her? Okay, good. Yes, but go follow Kennedy. Go support. Get the book so we can all key key about it and then yes. give her the praise which this goddess deserves. Oh, it's been so fun talking to you guys and meeting you in real life. Like I said, I'm <laughs> fun talking Still. with you, meeting you, and I can't wait to keep listening to your podcast and see what you guys read next. Oh my god! Thanks. Hopefully, hopefully we continue with um the Akatar series because I'm no Ashley. I'm no. invested. I'm invested. There are other books we have to read. 
Look at the shelf. That's on you. That's on you, though. You <laughs> went to Barnes and Nobles. You just told me that you purchased books. They had a sale. What was they supposed to, to do? They had that a sale. TikTok, that they TikTok had that you posted. Sale. That TikTok. That reel. That reel that you posted. You was like, I think I have a problem. Yes, I agree. And book and I agree. Yes, exactly. <laughs> I agree. You got an issue. You know what? Put Markel on the phone. Put Markel on the line because he will agree with me. You got a problem. This isn't about you. Anywho. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you so much, Kennedy, for joining us. We had such a great time with you. Thank you. Thank you so much. It's been so fun. Yeah. And thank you guys come for back. listening. Yes, yes I will. You can definitely come back. You can come, you back. come back. When you buried and you want to yell at me, oh, most we'll definitely. Back. We'll come back. Why yeah. do I have to yell <laughs> at you? Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I wrap up as much as I can, Morgan. I'm sorry. <laughs> it's okay. It's okay. We like, we like cliffhangers, you know, just... We're expecting that second book. So it works. It works. Oh my gosh. <laughs> All right, guys. Well, thank you so much for listening to this special episode of Meet the Author. And we will see you next week. Yes. Yeah, stay tuned. We love you guys. Bye. Bye.